Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and with me our basketball expert Diogo Valente. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know man, what are we talking about today? Today we come here right after the end of uh, round two of the EuroLeague to recap all the eight games that uh, took place. We will start with the games, the game between Efes and Real Madrid and go all the way until the last game of the round that took place in Valencia, between Valencia and Fenerbahce. We will talk about the surprises, the confirmations, which teams are overperforming, which teams are underperforming, and what can we expect from each of these teams moving forward. Are you ready to get into it, Yog? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, second week was still as exciting as the first one. Uh, I think we have a, a lot of great things coming for EuroLeague, so uh, uh, let's get into it. We had told our listeners that uh, both Efes and Real Madrid would want to bounce back after their first round performances, despite Real Madrid securing the win on that round. And I guess we can say that uh, one of the teams did it, Diogo. Yeah, for sure. One of them absolutely did it. The other one, not so much, but we'll get into that. <laughs> so starting this game, uh, I was very impressed with the way Real Madrid was playing because they they finally asserted their dominance and, and they wanted to send a message from the start that they were the better team. And they got a, a huge lead uh, right at the start of the game, like a 17-point lead. But then once the rotation started... Uh, Fish, they made a huge comeback in like three minutes and they they cut a 17-point uh, deficit to a two-point game at the end of the quarter. And I think the bench was very important. Rodrigue Bobois was great for them on, on that run. Uh, but then throughout the whole game, I, I just don't know what's going on with Will Clavern this season. He had uh, minus 30 in this game. It looked like every time he touched the ball, something bad would happen, like a turnover, a missed shot. So... Again, I want to see him be more aggressive, but the way he did it against Real Madrid was was very bad for him. And Shane Larkin too. He started the game at a at a very high level, like the first two or three minutes, but then he didn't do anything else for the rest of the game. And he finished with minus forty seven. Like that's that's insane. So yeah. I really I, I think Elijah Bryant missing this game was a, a huge loss because I think he's the glue guy for this team. He does a lot of the dirty work, like getting on on the rebound, getting on the boards, uh, stealing the ball, diving on the floor. He does all of those little things that they absolutely need. And I think they missed him a lot on this game. But Real Madrid, they, again, they were dominant. And that's all you can ask for in a, a team with that roster. They need to be dominant, dominant because they have so much, like starting off the bench, whatever it is, they... They have so many guys. Yabuzela played an amazing game, especially in the first quarter. He was awesome. Uh, Campazzo, he did his job. He had a double-double with 10 assists. He had plus 40 in the game. And then Kozur, like, if you look at their roster, Kozur is probably like, what, the 8-9 guy? And he had yeah, eight, 18 nine. points. So they, they have so much depth. They have so many guys who can contribute. And I just think losing Elijah Bryant was very tough for FH because I thought he would give them like a, a competitive uh, mindset for this game, again, because of his job on defense. Uh, but for FH, the only thing I was impressed with was Bobois off the bench because he did make an impact on the game and he was one of the few players with a positive plus minus. And Darius Thompson, he actually played a very good game, but it wasn't as impactful uh, as I expected him to be for this team. 
But I mean, I guess that's due to the fact that the other best players like Shane and, and Will Clyburn are not performing at their level. So I just think a lot of things need to to change for this FS team. They they don't look like a contender, and I know it's early; it's just the second round. But I definitely expected them to be playing at a much higher level. If on the the first round in the round one we saw Real Madrid having some struggles in the game, even if they managed to come out of that game with the win, we pointed out two main, uh, two important factors for that to have been the case, and two of them were Walter Tavares missing that game, and he's back and he brings stability to to this team, even if he doesn't didn't have a particularly impressive stat sheet on this game. We know the impact that he has defensively and just his presence on the floor changes the game for Real Madrid. And the other one was for Kuno Campazzo that you just pointed out. He had a plus 40 in this game. And uh, he just has that ability to add the playmaker, the maestro in the court for this Real Madrid team. And he has the ability to play both sides of the court. And this is such a deep team that uh, allows them to, to perform at the level that they just did. But Let's uh, look, take a deeper look into FS, and especially we saw two very poor games by Will Clyburn. We saw him coming off the bench uh, on the first game. Um, this team, despite having a roster with players that really brought in pieces that are supposed to fit together, they are struggling to 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 create a chemistry to play as a unit as a as a whole. They still depend on the individualities. You pointed you pointed out, and correctly, that uh, Roderick Babois came off the bench and uh, he was very important for them. But again, it was his individual performance, not uh, efforts as a group. And I think that they need to find that. And I don't know what's happening uh, off the court, if there is anything else going on besides basketball at the moment with, uh, with this FS team. Because they need to find that chemistry to between them to be able to to be competitive, and if they want to be a contender, because we believe, I still believe that they have the talent to be a contender in the in this Euro League. They need to find that balance that will allow them to work as a team and to as a whole to be able to find their strengths. Will Clyburn is struggling, but uh, he needs to also be put into positions for him to thrive, to make the game easier for him, because we know yeah. that when he gets going, uh, how good he can be. And for me, that's what I saw lacking with uh, with uh, this FS game and their first game as well. Yeah, I, I just think, honestly, for for Will Clyburn, uh, I think he, he would benefit a lot from starting the game, like playing in the, in the low post, like, because he would be able to get some fouls, get some easier buckets to start the game, and that would that would free him up for the rest of the game, and that would allow him to to produce at a much higher level. Uh, that's just my opinion. Honestly, they don't do it as much, uh, and I think they would gain a lot from it because he's a great player, not only overall but uh, in that specific uh, spot of the game, playing with his back to the basket because he's a big wing. So I think he can use that the same way Fenerbahce did it last year with Nigel Hayes Davis and Deshaun Pierre. Like they were very effective playing in the low post, and I think Will Clyburn should do that. But they don't look for that option a lot, and I think that's hurting them overall. Having Elijah Bryan uh, probably allows them to do that more because they can play with two guards, Elijah and Will Clyburn at the four, and with that, because we know how devastating Will Clyburn can be against a traditional four uh, with his ability to play with his back to the basket, but also with facing the basket. 
And it's exactly as you just said, just create situations for him to get going and for him to take advantage of his game that we know to see late. Yeah, I just think they got to let the game come to him, like without being him playing one-on-one facing the basket every time because the defense is going to focus on him and they're going to close the paint. So he's going to get tough shots like he did in this game, especially against such a great team like Real Madrid. So they need to get easier shots for him starting so that he can really get going and, and carry them all the way until the end. Diogo. A uh, high-scoring game between Alba and Vasconia. Were you surprised? No, not at all. I mean, we talked about this in the preview. Uh, two teams that <laughs> like to play fast, two teams that like to shoot. So I, I, it was kind of expected, the, the high-scoring game. But uh, I was actually impressed with Vasconia. I, I think they played a, a very good game overall. They, they were consistent throughout the 40 minutes. Uh, Alba did try, did, did attempt a comeback in the fourth quarter, but it, it, they didn't have enough to, to complete it. But uh, I will say this about Alba. Uh, I wasn't impressed with the first three quarters. And we were talking during the game. And, and I said, maybe the young guys are not ready. But then Procida and Spagnolo in the fourth quarter were amazing. Like, they, they really led the way for, for that comeback attempt. They, they played very good in the fourth quarter. They were, they were defending. They were driving. They were shooting threes. They, they did a lot. And, and Procida especially, uh, I think he was very good. So, hopefully... This fourth quarter gives them uh, some confidence and a boost in confidence for them to, to perform at a at a higher level in a more consistent way because I do think they have the talent for it. So hopefully we can see some more consistent consistency out of them too. But for the Salva team, they, they have some injuries and they are lacking a bit of size in my opinion and that's costing them because it's not like Basconia is a, a very big team even though we saw them I'll rebound Real Madrid by a lot. But uh, again, on this game, Basconia uh, won the rebounding battle. And in a close game like this, that, that's always going to be very important. You have a guy like Cedric Kerskis, who is not even a big, and he got 13 rebounds with seven of them offensively. So I just love his impact on the game. I think he played amazing. And then they have Cody Ma- Miller-McIntyre, who, who was very good in, in this one. And again, they have contributions from all around the court. Uh, Moneke is playing at a very good level this year. So I'm very impressed by that, and I'm enjoying watching him play for Basconia. Costello, as we know, a high IQ player. He's just going to make the right plays and the right reads. So I think this Basconia team is, is working at a very good level. They, they almost got the upset win over Real Madrid, and now they get a road win on a game that was going to be hard because, like we said in the previews, uh, Alba is going to try to be competitive. They, they have some talent. They, they're going to be exciting. So I just think if Sterling Brown was able to, to have a little bit more impact on the game, I thought that they could do a, a better job. He, that it was an off game for him. But I'm excited to see these two teams the rest of the way because they, they are very pleasant to watch. They, they play a nice style of basketball. So I'm very excited for these two teams, even though I know the, the talent gap between these teams and like the, the top teams, the contenders, is kind of big. But I'm still very excited about the product they put on the court. Consistency. It comes down to that uh, yeah, for both for sure. both teams. Uh, the ability of Basconi be consistent defensively. And uh, let's point out particularly Marcus Howard. He needs to find the consistency on his, uh, his shots because we know how good he can be. He has been struggling. And in this game, he ended one of seven from the three-point line. And if he finds his consistent, if he can be consistently the best player of this Basconia team and can affirm himself as such, that will be important for Basconia. And in Alba, we know it and uh, we predicted it to go this way and it makes sense to be this way. 
they are a very young team with uh, some veterans that uh, aim to bring that consistency to this group. But um, it's about the ability to play 40 minutes during the game at, uh, at the highest level. That is key to win at the EuroLeague. And uh, that's what Alba needs to, to be doing uh, to, if they want to be more competitive. They go into uh, hot uh, shooting streaks. They are able to score 26 points in a, in a quarter as they did in the second quarter. And they are able to perform as they did in the fourth quarter. And the ability to do that consistently across 40 minutes will be the, the key for them to win games during the, this edition of the early. Heading into the season, we were excited about some of the additions that Aswell uh, have made. Uh, Lovern being healthy would be big for them uh, as it's usually is. Frank Jackson and Mike Scott were intriguing players to, to see at the, the early level. We know that Paris Lee is a, a good early guard and uh, we both love uh, Nana De Colo and know how such a genius that he is while TLC also could give the, this Asvel team uh, the wing player that they need. They didn't have probably enough depth to be seen as a a consistent team that will be fighting for the, the play-ins or that will be on the playoff mix. But uh, I personally expected to see more from Aswell. But uh, the first two rounds were very concerning, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and me both, we, we agree on this. Like, they have talented players. Like, that's not a, a question here. It's just the, the level of basketball they play as a team is it, just not good. And... Obviously, we can say that it's just two games, it's early, but it is very concerning because they they lost both games on two blowouts and at home losing by 26 points. Like That's kind of an embarrassment. And they do have a lot more talent than they are showing. So uh, definitely some things need to change. They, they need to play a lot better as a team because they have guys. Like If you look at the guys they have, they not only are they talented, the fit is not bad. Like, so there are there is potential to make it work. So it, it's just on them as a team to to glue it together and, and put a good product on the court because what they've shown throughout these two weeks, like it hasn't been good at all. Yeah, it, it, they have been struggling, and it is concerning. And it's about having the pieces in place for them to to be able to to perform. And a team as talented as they are, they score 13, 16, 19, and 14 points uh, per each quarter of this game. And they have a talent that is superior to this. And they just don't show the ability to have that spark and to, to reach a higher level, even if the talent is there. Like something needs to change and they need to shake things up. But let's look at the, the winners of this game and Partizan. This was a better performance for, from Partizan, even if the, the opposition wasn't really there on this game. What were your highlights of this Partizan performance? Well, I think the energy and just, and I'm saying as a team, because against Maccabi in the first game, it was only Avramovic putting up that energy on the floor, like he always yeah. does. But on this game, and especially in the, in the third quarter, the, the whole team was playing very good basketball. Because they didn't even shoot well from three, like they went four of nineteen, but they ju they were just getting to the paint at ease. Like Asvel showed no resistance at all. They were just getting layups and ones. Like it was just such an easy game for Partizan to to win and, and to blow to blow out Asvel. Uh, I enjoyed watching Kaminsky play a little bit more than in the first game. Uh, I thought 
uh, Nunali played an amazing game, very complete game. So that's a positive because they don't really have a point guard and, and he showed some ability to, to pass the ball and to get some assists. I think Partizan, they're going to keep growing week after week. I think they are so talented. We both had, had Partizan very high on our power rankings. So the first, ga- the first game was kind of a disappointment, but they, they're going to get better, of course. They, they have Coach Obradovic on the sideline. They, they're going to get better. This game was a lot better, and of course, the opponent wasn't as strong as Maccabi, but I, I like what I saw. Uh, at least they they tried to play good basketball. They they made the right reads. They they cut like all of the thing, all of the things they need to do to be successful. They did it. They just need to shoot the ball at a higher rate for, for them to be competitive with the the top teams. But I, I think they're going to get there. It's like watching a baby learning how to walk, and uh, <laughs> we know how talented this partisan team is, and they have players that were already in this team, and Avramovic, Kevin Panter, Smalagic, Nunali, Sakladei. They are proven, and they can play at a very high level, and they make the floor of this partisan team very high. We were excited about seeing Dojir with this team, uh, Kaminsky with this team, and they are growing into the roles where they will be thriving, and this team as a whole is growing. We, we start seeing the routines that you just pointed out to come to place and to make the game easier for them. And then what lacked really from them on that game with Maccabi was to have that energy that on this game we started to see, and uh, that's what makes this partisan group special. And we can expect more of that and we can expect growth uh, of this team during the season and certainly having a win on this game will help them. Yeah, and, and I just think that partisan season doesn't start until they have a home game. So let's wait for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I will break this game into two parts for our breakdown. And let's start with the Bayern side. We had said it, that uh, this is a team that you need to watch out for because they have the ability to compete with uh, virtually anyone and they showed that on this game once again. Did you felt that they could have done even more? Yeah, uh, I did, honestly. I think Serge Ibaka, he, he played an amazing game uh, the first the first half especially. And then in the fourth quarter, I think he should have been used more because he only came back into the game when it was like two and a half minutes left. And I felt like they really could have had a chance to win this game if they had him on the court, just his defensive presence. And I just think he would have helped uh, a lot because they insisted. I think they gave a lot of minutes to Niels Giffey. And not that he had a bad game, but I just think it's so different to have him at the four with Devin Booker at the five versus having Serge Ibaka on the court and really making that defensive impact. But And I think Lazo... Uh, I think they went with three guard lineups a bit too much, and th- theoretic- theoretically, that could be uh, a strategy that would work against Panathinaikos because they have a lot of guards as well. But Panathinaikos was playing with Papa Petro at the three, so you had guys like Carson Edwards and Francisco or Valor Bab trying to guard him, and it was just a big mismatch. So they- I didn't understand that one too too much because they they have options to to put there. They they could have Bonga, who is a great defender. Uh, I thought should have been on Papa Petro a lot more, but uh, I, I don't think this was the right game to use those three guard lineups because Adamant did a good job and, and he put Papa Petro in the game to to really cause that difference. So uh, I think those two aspects, the Ibaka should have played more in the fourth quarter, and I, I don't I don't think they should have went with three guard lineups as much as they did, but they were right there to win the game. So this team has a lot of potential, 
if they can get Lucic back healthy, I think that's the missing piece to, to really put this team uh, as a, a contender for the playoffs. So I, I'm excited that he can get healthy. So we'll see where they go the rest of the way. Yeah, that, that's exactly on point. The coaching battle, we can call it like that, the tactical battle of this game, and uh, also the, 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 the indications that we got from this game. Bolmaro is showing that uh, he uh, can play at a high level in the EuroLeague and that he can be a consistent player that will contribute at the EuroLeague level. Ibaka is showing that he still has in him the ability to impact the game at a very high level and that we could see that in this game. So those indications, those indicators are very good notes for what we can expect from the, the Bayern season. And adding to that, the, the ability of having Lucic. But we saw them trying to play what we expect uh, to be the Paratinakos game. And instead of imposing themselves in the way that they could be more successful. And maybe that's what led to this defeat. But the indicators are there. And uh, what we expect to see from this Bayern team is a very competitive team. It is there. Let's then... Uh, talk about the winners and let's talk about the Paratinaikos that at home got their first win of this uh, edition of the EuroLeague. What were the, the highlights for you? In my opinion, uh, Matias Lasort and Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, we talked about how Panathinaikos needed to be uh, very present on the boards and, and they needed to ha- their bigs needed to have a, a good game because Bayern has, like we said, Ibaka, Devin Booker, they, they are a tough team inside. So Panathinaikos really needed those bigs to step up and even though Balsarowski didn't play a, a very good game, uh, Matias Lesort at the five, he, he played very good. He had six rebounds and he was very efficient scoring the ball. And Juancho, he, he is efficient again. He, he played another very good game and he helped on the boards. So I, I think those two guys were very important for this win. And then, uh, like I talked about uh, when I was talking about Bayern, uh, Papa Petru playing at the three, he, he was able to cause some some mismatches, uh, of course, being guarded by the guards. And Bayern guards are kind of small, so he had a, a big advantage inside. And they caused the Bayern team to, to get into rotations, to, to foul. And that's why I think if Ibaka was on the court, it would be a lot easier to have three three guards there because you would have Ibaka to protect the paint. And in a mis- mismatch situation like this, he, he would have been a lot of, a lot helpful for, for that team. But for Panathinaikos and the guards, I think Grigonish and Joran Grant, they, they did a good job stepping up with Slokas being out. So I just think overall they, they played a good game. They they shot the ball a little bit better. They they got to the free throw line and they held their own on the boards. So this was a very good game by Panathinaikos. Even though I still think they can be better, I think they played at a very good level. Juancho and Lasort are indeed a great frontcourt duo. For me, a player that has been performing at a, a very high level, but mostly it has been very important for these Paratinaikos teams, is indeed Grigonis, as you just pointed out. Grigonis, he ends yeah. this game with the with the biggest plus-minus at plus 15. But more than that, and more than his stat sheet, is the ability of giving them good minutes in a position that they really needed him to. When we were yeah. previewing the season of Paratinaikos, we spoke about it and about... Uh, the three-guard lineups and how much they will need to have guards playing up the lineup and playing the small forward position. We know that Grigonis can play the small forward position. He's more of a shooting guard, but he's being able to give them consistent and good minutes, and that's very important for this Paratinaikos teams as the roster is constructed right now. For sure. He's having a bigger role than I expected. 
at least, but uh, he's performing at a very high level. And it's good to see that Coach Adaman trusts him to, to play high minutes and, and to be to have a, a very important role on this team. And he's responding. He, he's performing at a very high level, and it's pretty awesome to see. Well, I will give you the floor by making you two questions, and we can break down both of the, the performances from both of these teams. The first question is... How impactful is Luca Banki and how well Virtus is playing? And the second question, and you can decide the order of you answering it. Is Jordan Lloyd the most important player of Monaco? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go with the first one first. Uh, <laughs> I think Luca Banki is an amazing coach and he's showing that at the EuroLeague level. Uh, I didn't think uh, Virtus would be a, a playoff team. Uh, I didn't think they would be in contention for the playoffs. Just because I thought some other teams were so talented that it was going to be hard for them. But the impact he's having on this team as a coach and the way he's having his guys play, they, they just move the ball. They, they play collectively. They, are, they have Shangela playing at such a high level. And, and I believe a lot of that is due to Coach Banky's impact. Uh, just everybody's playing at a high level. Like You don't look at a guy and say, oh, he's not performing. Like No, they, they're playing very well. They, they lost the first game, but they had a, a great lead. They, they had a, an amazing chance to, to win that game. And coming into Monaco and just beating them by 24, like this is a great win. And I believe this will give them confidence to, to continue to perform at a high level and to, to try to keep this level up. It's going to be hard, of course, because there are a lot of great teams who are supposed to be better than Virtus. But Luka Benke gives them a chance every time they step on the floor. So allow, I'm, me I'm to, allow me to intersect here and just add to exactly what you're saying. The ability of making the most of each piece that you have is what yeah. Banky is so good at. And we see Jalen Smith, Cordinier, uh, and Cengeli playing at insanely high levels. Cengeli being used as a playmaker. The, they just putting pieces on the right places, really, what, what is making the difference for this Virtus team. For sure. J just a great job by them overall. Uh, and then getting to the second question, I mean, is there is there even a doubt anymore? Uh, <laughs> we had this conversation last season about the importance of Jordan Lloyd for, for this Monaco team. And the, at least the beginning of this season is is showing the exact same. Like his impact, and we talked about Elijah Bryant being a glue guy for FS. Uh, I think Jordan Lloyd is even more than a glue guy for this Monaco team because I believe... He's their most impactful player. Uh, I think he, when he's on the court, they, they are so good because he, he he helps Mike James with a lot of the stuff that he's been lacking right now because he doesn't have a partner in crime, at least in the starting lineup. Like He has a, a Kobo coming off the bench and he hasn't been producing at the level we expect from him. So this thing without Jordan Lloyd it, it is pretty tough to watch because they like so much creation uh, not having him. And it's very hard. The only guys who can create a, uh, something for themselves are, or even for others is Mike James and Okobo. And like I said, Okobo hasn't been playing at that level. Mike James has been amazing to start the season. He's been playing very, very well. But I do think they need Jordan Lloyd and even to a lesser degree, Kemba Walker, because they need guys that can create and they need guys that can make an impact on offense. Because in the first game, they scored 65 And on this game, they, they scored 59. Like, that's not acceptable for a team that has so many good players and, and such a complete roster. They, they really need those two guys back because 
the lack of scoring right now is insane. Uh, something is on the water in France because the way that both teams, uh, Monaco, that plays on the French league and uh, and uh, as, well, as well, the way that both teams are performing, it's really uh, underwhelming at the moment and not wanting to go at uh, their coaches because it always goes be, besides one person only. It's a, it's a team effort. It's a group effort. And just the pieces are not performing uh, the way that they should for the team as a whole to perform at the level that uh, they can. And while we are seeing Virtus maybe overperforming, this Monaco team is clearly underperforming. They have the players to do for more. Sure. Uh, it's just about being able to, to squeeze the juice and put this uh, this team in a place where they are able to to get to that level that can make them contenders. I still think that this Monaco team will grow a lot and will improve a lot. And while teams will start figuring out Virtus and the game will get harder for them, uh, I think the opposite will happen for, for Monaco. But the sheer fact of adding uh, Jordan Lloyd and Kimba Walker to the roster, that certainly helps when you add so much talent and a leader and a player that gives all the little things that uh, this Monaco team uh, needs in uh, Lloyd. It certainly will do wonders for them, but as a whole, they, they can grow as a group and perform much better moving forward. And I expect to see that as I expect them to be in contention. You made the appeal in our last episode. Who will help Keenan Evans and Roland Schmidt answered you with a great, great performance on this game. We saw how good Jalgiris can be playing at home, how motivated and the energy that they can bring into the games to to come back into these games. And this fourth quarter was proof of that. What were the, the highs and lows of both teams' performances? Well, the highs for sure, Roland Smith, he, he was unbelievable. Uh, again, th- that small ball lineup seems to always work for them because Roland Smith is a guy that always does his job and always does what's asked of him. So you can always count on that. And, and then you had... Ulanovic playing at a very high level as well. He helped them a lot and he made some some very important shots. I think Dimsa was very important because his impact on the floor was noted. And I just think, again, this is a team that's going to grind grind the game out. They, they're going to play defense. Uh, they're going to play with energy and especially at home. And that's what they did in this game. So this is a great win for them, obviously. Uh, it, I believe Red Star had a lot more firepower and a lot more chances to winning this game. But Zagiris played a great fourth quarter. They they came back and, and won the game. So this is a very impressive win for them. I, I was not expecting it, but Roland Smith and Ulanovic played at an amazing, amazing level. And even though Keenan Havis didn't have a good game, he, he was able to count on those guys to step up and, and to, to help him get this win. Consistency on the three-point shooting will be important for both of these teams. But I also expect Red Star to have ability to do, do, do more when that part of their game is not uh, working as they want. Uh, they have the firepower to perform at a higher level than they need. And uh, they really uh, weren't able to close out this game in the fourth quarter. Zalgiris brought the energy and uh, they were able to to be uh, to come back into this game and to close out this win. 
And for Jalgiris, also the three-point consistency will be something that will be important for them to be able to compete for games. But we know that they will be fighting, they will be grinding the game. And when players like Roland Schmidt, Lanovas are able to step up and to, to add, because they lack some firepower offensively. And when these players are able to perform at their best, and we know that they have the ability to do it, just for them to be first and second options, it can be hard at times. It's not about their individual ability. As uh, second, third, fourth options, they are up there with anyone else. The This uh, uh, Jalgiris team just uh, just lacks the, the top options, uh, besides Keenan Heavens, obviously. And uh, when these players are able to step up and to perform at that level, this team will be able to compete with anyone, and especially playing at home. And that was exactly what we saw on this game. But let's look at uh, the other side and go into detail of uh, what were the issues that uh, Red Star faced on this game. And I already pointed out one of them. They shoot 26.1% from the three-point line. Diogo... What was lacking on this game for for Red Star? Well, I think Coach Ivanovic wasn't really didn't really make great decisions on this game. Uh, Napier played fourteen minutes, uh, Toby played six minutes, Simonovic played three minutes. So I don't know what was up with that, but uh, I don't think Davidovac should be playing twenty six minutes in a, in a close game like this. Uh, I believe in a game against Zalgiris, what they needed to do was just uh, impose their size because they are a much bigger team than Red Star and their firepower offensively. And I think a guy like Napier would have been very important for that. So I don't know why he only played 14 minutes. I, I think they had, I'm not going to say the obligation, but they were favorites in this game. And I think they should have won. And especially having that lead going into the fourth quarter, I think they should have leaned more on guys like Napier. And I think Toby should have a, a bigger role and Simonovic especially like, Three minutes, no, like that can happen. So I thought they should have won this game. Uh, they had some guys who underperformed, like Giedraitis and even Napier. He, he didn't have an efficient game, but still, just his presence on the court is a lot different than than having another guard. And Nedovic wasn't effective as well. So overall, I think they could have played a lot better. But uh, I think Coach Simon, uh, Coach Ivanovic. Um, should have made a better job getting the right players on the floor because with their size, uh, I know Zalgiris goes to the small ball, but uh, you don't have to adjust to that. Like impose your game, make the other team adjust. I I really believe in this. Uh, I think if you have some advantages in, in certain areas of the game, you should go with that and, and impose that. Like don't adapt just because the other team plays a certain way. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, I believe they would have been better had they played the, the bigger lineups and tried to be dominant inside, but they didn't really do that. And Zagiris was able to get away with playing small. And Roland Smith was absolutely incredible. And again, he, he stays as one of our favorites for sure. I know you agree with me. So great win by Zagiris. I absolutely do. Roland Schmitz really is uh, a high-level EuroLeague player and he has this ability to impact the game at the, the highest level. He can do all the little things well. And this was another show of that. And like you were saying, it's a little bit as we spoke on the, the in the game between Bayer and Paratinakos. It's the team kind of biting too much into the other team's uh, game style. And that's where those teams uh, have the advantage. Because if you are going to a fight and playing with your opponent's weapons, 
they will be more comfortable playing that style already than you are. Exactly. It's not that this Red Star team doesn't have the ability to play small ball. Of course, they have the talent and the ability to adjust and to adapt and to play differently. Now, if it's not working, you should try at times to grind through the the mismatches, speed mismatches, mobility mismatches, and just try to impose yourself. And uh, then you you adjust uh, as need be and you will be better off if you're able to de- de- detect the pace of the game and to be able to command how the game evolves than if you just exactly. try to, to adjust to the situation. And um, that certainly was uh, something that uh, didn't work out for uh, for Red Star. And we know how good Jalgiris can be on this type of game. This is actually quite of an intriguing game to, for us to judge our expectations heading into this season because for Olympiacos we expected them to bring the consistency that they have and of that very high floor that they have while for Barcelona while we never doubted that the talent is there and the, they have the talent of a team that can be on a Final Four and compete for the EuroLeague I personally expected it to take longer for them to be able to perform and execute at the level they are doing and at the level that they did on this game where they really were able to impose themselves against such a good team as Olympiacos is. Is it time for us to readjust our expectations and this personal team is really at a more advanced stage of their preparation and uh, their execution than what uh, we expected? Well, uh, I think maybe we did underestimate them, but... uh... I still need to see more, because, and here's why. Uh, the first game against Efes, uh, we clearly, we said this also, uh, Efes was also a new team, and, and it was also going to take time for them to, to, to get into it and to really start rolling, like we saw in the second week as well. They still need some improvements. And this game against Olympiacos, Olympiacos had a lot of guys out. You had McKissick, you had Nigel Williams-Goss, Sigma. Uh, Fall was a game-time decision. He played 12 minutes. It was Brasdeki's first game. So there was a lot of elements here for Olympiacos that played in Barcelona's favor, but that, that doesn't take away the credit that they have that they deserve uh, for the game that they played. I think, especially in the first half, they, they did an amazing job shooting the ball, and I love the way that they were able to, to get shooters open uh, using a pick and roll because the, the, the screener was rolling aggressively and that was forcing the shooter's defender to, to help, and that got especially Abrinitz, had a lot of open shots that way. And I think that was a, a very effective move for them because they forced Olympiacos defense to close on the roller and they, they got shooters open and they hit them consistently. They shot 15 for 26 from three. And, and I think that's the biggest key for this Barcelona team is their ability to shoot the ball. I think if they stay consistent shooting it, and especially at this high of a level, I believe they can they can beat anybody. But again, I want to see, see them play some tougher matches like obviously Olympiacos is still a great team but if they were if they had everybody available I believe this game could have been different but still a lot of credit to Barcelona because they were up in the first half then Olympiacos came back and got a lead in the fourth quarter and then Barcelona was able to respond again and take over the lead and and the game that's something that last season when when they lost the the leads we didn't really see them responding back and that was a big problem we had with them but uh, they showed this on this game. They were able to bounce back and, and respond. So a lot of credit to Barcelona. They played a very good game overall. And they were able to play good defense too. 
again, even though Olympiacos was missing some of their guys, I think Barcelona played a very good game. And if they continue to play like this, then we might have to readjust our power rankings. But for now, they're playing very impressively, and I, I like what I'm seeing from Barcelona. I just want to see them play some some tougher matchups with with the other teams at full strength because I, I think that's where we're going to be able to really see where they're at. But for now, so far, so good. Yeah, they have been impressive in the start. And what uh, has been so good with them is that they have the consistency from what came from last season. Abrines, Lapro, Sato, they were all here last season, Vesely, and those players are giving them that floor that is high. And they have more to give. Willie ended this game with 17 minutes and zero points, despite having seven rebounds. Jabai Parker had three points in 13 minutes. Uh, they have more in built upside within this roster, and they can be even better. And uh, if they are able to continue that progression across the season while already playing at a very high floor, they are indeed at a, a better level than uh, what we expected for them, even if the talent was uh, certainly there. Let's then look at the Olympiaco sides and uh, again, a very good performer by performance by Thomas Walkup, as he always has those. But um, besides the players that uh, missed the game and that certainly will contribute for this Olympiacos teams and the players that might be coming and being added to this roster at some point, what were what failed on this game? I just don't think they had enough uh, offensively. And I don't want to keep going back to, to the players that missed the game, but I think a guy like Nigel Williams-Goss coming off the bench has a big role in that. Uh, but I just think Isaiah Kanan wasn't able to have a, a great game. Uh, Brezdek is obviously, it was still his first game. He's going to need time because this Olympiakos system, they, they just need routine and they need dynamics between each other. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see Alec Peters play a, a very good game once again. Uh, I think he's stepping up in that fourth spot, playing at a very high level. But shots just wasn't falling. We know Larin Zak is usually comes off the bench and, and hits trees and brings the energy. I think he did brought the energy, but he wasn't able to be effective shooting the ball. And I just think it was about the, their offense. Like Their defense was still good because even though Barcelona won, they only scored 77 points. So that's a, that's a good job defensively. But offensively, they need every contribution they can get. And we always talk about uh, they need a go-to guy. Uh, I do think they have enough this season, but with all those injuries, it's going to be tough for them to be able to, to score with the best of them. So I think that's what's lacking. It's just a, a bit of creation. And for the guys that did play, shots weren't really falling. So I think that's why they lost this game. We spoke about it. And to go to guy, it's it's mostly... It's not that they don't have the individual players that are able to do it at times. It comes to have the, the depth on that front and the consistency on that front that will allow them to do it always on these important matchups. And we know how long the the Euroleague season is and that's there is always some injuries here and there and that's where I think that they are short and that's why if they add a player that is able to do it consistently for them and at a very high level they can go as high as the winners of this edition of the Euroleague but right now I think even with everybody healthy they are slightly short for this higher level matchups on that front and on the ability to 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 produce offensively in a consistent way at all times, and especially on clutch time. 
And I think that's something that uh, we saw on this matchup against Barcelona. And that's the reason why Barcelona ended up getting this uh, very important win on the road. A grinding Valencia that is being able to perform defensively, giving issues at the other team. And we saw some very important moments like a 24-second shot clock violation late on the, the fourth quarter. And just those small plays and that ability to, to perform defensively and to perform at a very high level. We were excited about English, about uh, Davis, about Ojale. And all of those players are just being able to contribute and to add to this team. And they changed the, the profile of the, the Valencia team in, in regards to what we saw the last season. They are now a very complete team, a team that is able to to compete with almost anyone and uh, to to have good production from in all five positions at the court at uh, any time. I think that the problem with Valencia during the season is to endure uh, a whole EuroLeague season. They don't have uh, as much that as some of the other uh, teams and that can be a problem. But at full strength, as we saw in this game against the Fenerbahce, I see them as being a very, very competitive team. And they show just that against a final budget that wasn't able to to come back after a disastrous first quarter where they lost 22-9. to nine. They were able to get back into the lead and it was already late in the second in the fourth quarter that they get their second lead of the game. But Valencia was able to close out this game and to perform at a very high level. Diogo, what notes do you have regarding this game? And uh, we saw on the Fenerbahce side as well, and we know it's one of the our favorites. It's very important for them to have Will Bukin uh, healthy and his ability to, to produce offensively. It showed later on. But um, they do lack uh, some... Um, a stabilizer player that will come into this game. And I have two questions for you regarding that. So what were your highlights, and especially from the Valencia side? But also, we know that Raul Nato was supposed to be the player. Do you think that Yamadar will be able to do it at the level that this Fenerbahce team needs? Or that might be an issue for, for Fenerbahce? Okay, I'm going to start with the second question. Uh, even though I think Yamadar is a very good young player, uh, in comparison to Neto, uh, I just don't think Yamadar is the, the playmaker, especially for others, that Neto was going to be for this team. Uh, obviously, I think Yamadar brings great energy, and defensively he's very good, and he's very sneaky too. He, he can steal a lot of balls just because of his energy. Um, but as far as like making other guys better and being a floor general, uh, I think he still needs to 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 develop on that. So I, I don't think he can give you the production that Neto was supposed to give you. And and I think that's a, a flaw for this Fenerbahce team because Wilbekin is a, a very good scorer. And, but if you also need him to facilitate for others, you're going to lose some of his scoring strengths. So I think that point guard question with Kalaric, was he going to be with the team? Was he going to be out? He, he's still with the team and he, he, he's not producing. He's not even getting playing time. So... I believe that's a question that they, they're going to need to figure it out. But uh, they have the talent to, to make up for that. Like It's not like they're not a talented team. I just think a lot of guys are not performing the way they're supposed to. Uh, Deshaun Pierre hasn't been, especially after the season he had last year, he hasn't been very good this season. 
uh, Nigel Hayes Davis. He had a better game offensively this uh, on this week, but uh, after what we saw last season, again, especially these two guys, they were so good offensively last year in the low post. Like everything they did was awesome, and they've been struggling a little bit to start the season. Uh, Motley played six minutes again. The the foul trouble, he he can't get over that. So I think this team has a lot of talent. They they have a lot of potential, but they need to to glue it all together because. They, they haven't been great to start the season, even though they won that game against Milano in the first round. Uh, Milano had a lot of injuries, and Fenerbahce playing at home, uh, I think they had they were expected to do better, and even though they still got the win. So I think these guys have a lot of potential, and I think they should be they should keep growing, but they definitely need to start paying attention to those factors, like Motley getting in foul trouble, uh, the point guard spot. Like, should Wilbekin be the, the full-time uh, point guard? Coach Ituris needs to figure it out because it, it, they can keep losing games like this. Not that Valencia is a bad team, and I'll get to them now. Uh, I think they, they can be a very competitive team. But as far as like talent, uh, they're not at the level that Fenerbahce is. And this is no knock on Valencia. Uh, I think they got a lot better from last year. Uh, I just think the other teams are so talented that it was going to be tough for them. But they're having an amazing start to the season. Two very impressive wins. Um, at home, they're playing a very good basketball. They're playing great defense, which I did not expect from them. I thought they would be better with guys like Brendan Davis and Ojale, but they're being even better defensively than I expected. Uh, I expected them to be a, a high-shooting team like they usually were, but they didn't even shoot the ball great, and especially not in volume. They shot 4 for 13, but they're finding ways to be effective. And you have Chris Jones playing at a very good level, facilitating for others. You have Ojale getting on the boards and fighting for every possession. Brandon Davis played a very good game. So Valencia is playing at a, a very high level, and, and I expect them to be competitive. I just don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this type of production throughout the whole season. It, it's about that. It's about they being able to do it uh, during the season. I think this is they shown that they can be better than expected, and it comes down to that defensive ability and the ability to grind the game. But for the, the Fenerbahce side, and especially about Yamadar, it's not about Yamadar, the player, obviously, and you, yeah, you pointed that out. He's a very talented player. He's a high-level early player, and the future is very bright for him. I'm not sure if he's on the, the best role or if the role that he's at right now maximizes this uh, Fenerbahce roster. I know that they will find solutions and they will perform better during the season. But uh, that has been one of the, the the parts of their game where they can look to improve. And that showed on this game where they, they need decision-making at uh, the highest level uh, when the game is on the line and when they manage to come back uh, to the game later on. And that was something that uh, they lacked on this game. And that was an, in full display. But we certainly can expect Fenerbahce to, to be able to, to perform better and to, to do more than they did in this game. Because it's not about the, the top talent of each team, it's about the depth of talent. And in that, that front, the depth of talent of Fenerbahce is clearly superior from uh, Valencia's. And this takes us to the end of uh, this episode. A reminder that uh, we will have uh, a new episode out re previewing the next round of the EuroLeague, the round three. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on it and follow us on Twitter at Etos EuroLeague. As always, I'll be talking to you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on the next episode.